Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is the priest, St. Jerome, one of the four great Western Fathers of the Church. He was born into an economically comfortable family around the year 345 in Stridon, near the city of Imona, present-day Ljubljana, the capital city of Slovenia. Around the year 360, Jerome went to Rome and honed his study of Latin. During his studies, he befriended Rufinus, an important figure in early Christian writings, and amassed an impressive library of Latin classics, which he poured over with intense study. While studying in Rome, he enjoyed a very worldly life, yet was intrigued by Christian texts and practices. In his commentary on the book of the prophet Ezekiel, Jerome writes, While I lived in Rome as a youngster, and was being trained in the liberal arts. Together with others of my age and who shared a common purpose, I used to visit the tombs of the apostles and martyrs on Sundays and to enter the crypts frequently where on either side of the visitors bodies were buried deep in the walls, dug deep into the earth. Jerome was baptized in Rome in the year 366, but does not give us many details concerning his conversion to the faith. Shortly after his baptism, he went to the city of Trier and there became acquainted with the ideals of Eastern monasticism. We know that in the year 374, he was living in Aquila, in northeastern Italy with a small group of like-minded friends until disagreements drove them apart, with St. Jerome heading to the desert south of the city of Aleppo in Syria. It was here in the desert that Jerome became far more proficient in Greek as well as Hebrew while living a very austere and ascetic life. 
in 382, Jerome was back in Rome and became secretary to Pope Damasus, who strongly encouraged and supported his efforts to provide a new Latin translation of the sacred scriptures, which eventually became known as the Vulgate. When Pope Damasus died, Jerome traveled to the Holy Land and eventually settled in Bethlehem, where he lived until his death around the year 419. While in Bethlehem, he penned massive works on sacred scripture, as well as refuting many strains of the Arian heresy, which denied the divinity of Jesus Christ. The Church fondly recalls the memory of St. Jerome each September 30th, noting his living and tender love for sacred scripture. For the saintly translator and commentator of scripture, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. This Sunday, we listen to an excerpt from his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, wherein he ponders the parables proclaimed at Mass this Sunday. I have also provided a link to a blog article in the podcast description. This article ponders the significance of the word parable. St. Jerome begins by quoting sacred scripture, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 to 32. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. This indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it grows up, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the sky Come and dwell in its branches. May it not be annoying to the reader if we set forth all the parables. For the things that are obscure need to be explained more fully, lest, through excessive brevity, the sense becomes covered up rather than exposed. The kingdom of heaven is the preaching of the gospel and the knowledge of the scriptures, which leads to life and about which it is said to the Jews. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation bearing its fruits. This sort of kingdom, therefore, is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. The man who sows in his field is understood by the majority to be the Savior because he sows in the souls of believers. By others, it is understood that he himself sows into his own field, that is, into his very self and into his heart. Who is it that sows? except the mind and heart, which upon receiving the grain of preaching and 
nurturing the seed sown with the moisture of faith, causes it to sprout in the field of his heart. The preaching of the gospel is the least of all instruction. Indeed, in the initial teaching, it does not have the conviction of truth. It preaches a God who is a man, a Christ who died, and the scandal of the cross. Compare teaching of this sort with the doctrines of the philosophers, with their books, and with their splendor of their eloquence and composition of their words. Then you will see how much less than the other seeds is the sowing of the gospel. But when those seeds grow, they demonstrate no bite, no vigor, no vitality. They are entirely flaccid and droopy. They sprout forth into garden plants and herbs which quickly wither and fail. But this preaching, which seems trivial at the beginning, when it has been sown, either into the soul of a believer or into the whole world, does not rise up into a garden plant, but it grows into a tree, so that the birds of the sky, which we ought to understand either as the souls of believers or their resolutions submitted to the service of God, come and dwell in its branches. I think the branches of the gospel tree, which grows from the grain of mustard seed, are the diverse kinds of dogmas in which each of the above-mentioned birds find rest. Let us, as well, use the wings of a dove, so that by flying on high we might be able to dwell in the branches of this tree and make little nests of doctrine for ourselves. Let us flee from the earthly things and hasten toward heavenly things. When they read that the grain of mustard seed is the least of all the seeds, and also the following is said by the apostles and the gospels, Lord, increase our faith, and the Savior replies to them, Amen, I say to you, if you have faith as the grain of mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, Move from this place, and it would move. Many think either that the apostles are asking for a small faith, or that the Lord has doubts about the smallness of their faith. Yet the Apostle Paul judges a faith that is compared with a grain of mustard seed to be the greatest. For what does he say? If I have all faith so that I may move mountains, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Therefore, what the Lord has said can happen with a faith that is compared with the grain of a mustard seed. The Apostle teaches, 
can happen with all faith. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and buried in three measures of flour until the whole thing was leavened. Human stomachs are different. Some are attracted to bitter foods, others to sweet, some to austere kinds of food, others to milder kinds. And so the Lord sets forth diverse parables, as we have already said above, so that according to the variety of wounds, there might also be different kinds of medicine. This woman who took the leaven and buried it in three measures of flour until the whole thing might be leavened seems to me to refer either to the apostolic preaching or to the church, which has been gathered from various nations. She takes the leaven, that is, the knowledge and the understanding of the scriptures, and she buries it in three measures of flour so that the spirit, soul, and body, having been gathered into one, might not have discord among themselves, but would agree with two and three and would obtain from the Father whatever they ask for. This passage is also explained in another way. We read in Plato, and it is a common dominant dogma among the philosophers, that there are three passions in the human soul, that which we will translate as the rational, that which we can translate as full of anger or irascible, and that which we can translate as desirous. That philosopher thinks that our rational part resides in the brain, anger in the gallbladder, and desire in the liver. And therefore, if we take the gospel leaven of the Holy Scriptures, which has been mentioned above, the three passions of the human soul are gathered into one. Thus, by means of reason... We possess prudence. By anger, we have hatred of all the vices. And by desire, we have the longing for the virtues. And all this takes place through the doctrine of the gospel, which Mother Church has presented to us. I should also tell a third interpretation of certain people so that the curious reader might be able to pick out from the many the one that pleases him. These interpreters say that the woman is the church, which has mixed the faith of a man into three measures of wheat by means of belief in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. And since the church has been fermented into one, this leads us not to a threefold God, but to the knowledge of the one divinity, 
They interpret the three measures of wheat in this way. While there is not a different nature in each person of the Trinity, they tend towards a unity of substance. This is a godly interpretation, to be sure, but a doubtful understanding of a parable and an enigmatic saying can never advance the authority of dogmas. Now, a statum, that is, a measure, is a kind of measure in use in the province of Palestine. It holds one and a half pecks. Other things are said about this parable as well, but there is no time now to say everything that could be said about every detail. St. Jerome of Bethlehem, pray for us. Let us pray. Show favor, O Lord, to your servants, and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace that, made fervent in hope, faith, and charity, they may be ever watchful in keeping your commands. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and proclaim the gospel of the Lord.